Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024. It's 527 a.m. Central Time. I'll do a quick uh, price rundown here because things were ugly yesterday. March corn futures unchanged at 463 and three quarters. March soybeans down three and a half at 1270. March Chicago wheat down one and three quarters at 605. March Kansas City wheat down four and a quarter at 624 and three quarters. March spring wheat down one and a half at 713 and a half. Ugly day yesterday in the row crop markets. So the nearby March 24 corn contract lost more than seven cents per bushel and posted a life of contract low close on Tuesday. The December 24 corn contract closed below $5 for the first time since July. The March 24 soybean contract gapped lower and lost more than 24 cents, posting its lowest close since June. Improved Brazilian uh, Brazilian weather was mostly responsible for the sell-off. Some analysts are also eyeing a possible uh, slowdown in Chinese demand. Take a look at the charts here, and I've got some imaginary lines. Uh, the, the March corn contract kind of traded and closed below what had been a long-standing area of support. Uh, what you'll notice in these carry markets, and we've got a carry market, we've got a well-supplied market in corn, your uh, nearby contract will very oftentimes, not always, kind of go down to where the prior contract left off. So when December corn futures went off the board, where were they? They were in the mid-450s. It's it's very possible that the March corn contract ultimately kind of makes its way down toward that area. And we're not that far away this morning. You're less than 10 cents away from where uh, December futures expired. In the case of March soybeans, uh, there had been this uh, kind of channel in place. There still is. And the, the contract and price action was able to hold above that uh, lower channel line yesterday. Uh, it may be different by the time you guys see this, but not the best action in the world. I, I do think South American weather was probably the biggest driver. So let's jump to some Brazilian stuff here. So on Tuesday, Stone X reduced its projection for this season's Brazil Brazilian soybean crop. The agribusiness group is anticipating the crop at 152.8 million tons, down from its previous estimate of 161.9 million tons. A lack of precipitation was cited as the reason for the reduction. South American crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier also cut his projection for this season's crop by 2 million tons to 151 million tons due to low yields on early harvested soybeans. So if you take Cordonier's number, which is about the lowest one out there among the really well-followed uh, analysts or groups, and you pair that with uh, 48 for Argentina, you're still looking at a record Brazil and Argentina combined production number. So I don't know. The market just, uh, I think, is aware of, of the idea that Brazil is going to be somewhere in the low 150s, maybe below that. Just doesn't seem to be concerned about it right now. It seems like, at least for the moment, the South American weather event has come and gone. And now you've got March soybean futures like $1.30 off of where they peaked, um, I believe, in November. So this is not a great situation. I think that the uh, the downward revisions to the crop estimates are, are largely had largely been priced into the marketplace. You look at Brazilian weather, we've got rain on the radar again this morning, and this rain is going to be an almost daily event 
uh, at least this week and, and probably into next week also. This is your five-day Euro, which uh, introduces more rain for your northern areas of Brazil, your Mato Grosso places uh, further east. And then the 10-day is is very wet, about as wet as I've seen it through this uh, crop cycle so far. So the forecast and, and recent rainfall, the rains over the weekend were decent too. Um, this is seen as, as being a bearish item. That's why the market's been off. So if you guys have not already checked out our premium content, you need to do so. Joe, can you tell me about some of the recent videos you put together? A whole bunch of stuff last week. So we do a new premium video every single business day. Uh, Paul Niefer was on, I believe, on Wednesday last week. Can you earn interest on deferred payment contracts? Uh, Paul ran through the details of that on, I believe... It was either Wednesday or Thursday last week. Matt Bennett was on. Is 5.30 corn the new 4.30? Uh, we hope that it is. We hope that uh, the low end of the corn market and also the high end, that they both changed by about a dollar because of inflation. We hope that's the case. And then uh, Social Media Circus is kind of a fun one that we do on Fridays. Uh, your vehicle cannot be driven. We talked a little bit about EVs and some of the uh, problems as it relates to those. If you guys want to see the premium stuff, our morning email goes out every single business day at 5 a.m. Central Time. It includes the six most recent premium videos in addition to a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, this is a $50 per month subscription. You can cancel at any time. No other fee, no other obligation. Nobody will try to sell you anything else. Just a ton of info direct from us every single business day. That morning email includes all of our grain marketing recommendations, everything we've recommended for uh, two crop years, broken down by crop by crop year and by percentage, weighted averages, all that stuff. Uh, give that a shot this morning, guys. Large money managers have trimmed their net short position in the corn market. CFTC released weekly commitment of traders data on Friday during the week ending December 26th. The funds were net buyers of 10,000 contracts of corn, 1,000 contracts of soybeans, and 6,000 contracts of SRW wheat on the week. So in real time, so this data is accurate through last Tuesday, that the funds are probably net short, a small amount of soybeans. This this net long of eleven or twelve thousand has has likely been cleared out. It's probably three, four thousand contracts. Uh, they've probably added to the net short in the corn market, which is large, and uh probably still net short some SRW wheat. So there's not a lot of positive uh sentiment among large money managers here to start off the new year. During China's president's New Year's Eve address, Xi Jinping reiterated that China and Taiwan will be reunited. China views Taiwan as a breakaway province that will one day be under Beijing's uh, control. Taiwan, however, regards itself as independent with its own constitution and de democratically elected leaders. Taiwan's upcoming elections will be on January 13th. Those will determine the, um, the island's China-Taiwan relations. In typical fashion, ahead of the elections, China has increased military pressure on Taiwan. He says reunified as if they're going to like hold hands and get back together. Um, so I, uh, we get a lot of questions about this. What's going to happen if there's some sort of military conflict? Uh, nobody can know for sure. We have heard from the White House. Biden himself has said, uh, I believe in so many words, that we would come to Taiwan's aid should there be some sort of invasion. So what does this mean for the grain markets? Uh, put it this way. When we had Russia, Ukraine, those two countries combined were big, are big net grain exporters, right? So when that invasion happened in the spring of, or uh, winter spring of 2022, the perception was that this is a big supply disruption, right? And that's why the markets rallied. If the U.S. is involved in some sort of, of conflict or proxy conflict with China, 
the perception would be the opposite. It would be that it's a demand disruption. Uh, China is a huge importer of everything, largest on the planet for a lot of commodities. So I think that would be the perception is that it would be bearish. It would be a, a, a potential demand disruption. In the end, what would probably happen, and I'm probably taking too many steps forward here, you'd probably see some like musical chairs in regard to demand. You'd probably see China buy uh, more corn and soybeans out of Brazil, and then maybe the other global buyers shift more to the United States. But I think the perception, the knee-jerk reaction would be probably not a good one for the grain markets. And I hope none of that happens. That's the last thing we could that's the last thing we need is more uh, bearish news, you know. On Monday, Iran sent a warship to the Red Sea after the U.S. Navy destroyed three Houthi boats and killed 10 Houthi fighters. The Houthis were attempting to hijack a Maersk shipping vessel. The incident resulted in the shipping company suspending Red Sea Transit. Maersk just so happens to be the world's largest shipping company. According to Iran Iranian officials, its warship will oversee naval operations in the Pacific, Indian, and Atlantic Oceans. The U.S. Navy and nine other nations are currently policing the Red Sea. Sounds like it's going in the wrong direction for now. You guys have all seen the map, so if you can't get through uh, the Suez Canal and this Red Sea issue because of um, of the uh, attacks or whatever, you've got to go around Africa. It makes shipping very difficult. So this paired with the Panama Canal issue, these, these choke points, these logistics issues, this is just another negative factor for the markets. It's making making U.S. grain uh, less competitive on the export market than it would be otherwise. U.S. corn export sales improved last week. Net corn sales of 49 million bushels were up 23% from the previous week, but down 12% from the prior four-week average. Mexico was the largest corn buyer for the week. Net soybean sales were poor at 36 million bushels, down a whopping 51% from the previous week and 38% from the prior four-week average. China was the largest soybean buyer and net wheat sales of 10 million bushels were down 14% from the previous week and 60% from the prior four week average. Mexico was the largest wheat buyer. I think USDA is probably fair enough on their projections when it comes to corn and soybean exports. I think they may need to come up on wheat exports a little bit, mainly because of that SRW business to China, which uh, definitely did move the needle. It, it helped to rally the market at one point in time. So I, I guess we're, we are where we need to be. There was uh, inspections out yesterday, but that would be my general take home. The stock market finished 2023 on a positive note thanks to our strong economy, declining inflation, and speculation of reduced interest rates here in the coming months. The S&P 500 gained more than 24% to end the year at 4,770. That's just 0.6% shy of its record set back in January of 2022. The Dow Jones finished the year at with a 13.7% increase and set a new record last Thursday at 30 the NASDAQ gained an impressive 43% to have its best year since 2020. The stock market is forecast to maintain its momentum into 2024 with the expectation that the Fed will be able to achieve a soft landing. Okay, soft landing already happened, and that's not a popular opinion. And guess what? Like, there's not going to be like a day where they say, "Okay, the soft landing occurred, and now the stock market's over forever, and the economy's done, and that's how it ended." It doesn't end; it goes on forever. But for the moment, the soft landing has been achieved. They were able to tame inflation while keeping unemployment sub four percent. Um, it's actually pretty impressive stuff. And uh, no, the, the price of groceries 
it's not going back to where it was in 2019. That's not uh, what we're saying. The uh, almost bigger take home for me here is that everybody got this wrong. Everybody got burned. That's what Bloomberg said. Um, everybody was bearish. Everybody was calling for recession. And this speaks to the fact that markets cannot predicted. They cannot be predicted, whether it's the stock market, the corn market, soybean market, the cattle market. They cannot be predicted even by the brightest minds on Wall Street with Ivy League degrees and uh, things along those lines. So just uh, keep that in mind next time you beat yourself up about a marketing decision. What did cattle do yesterday? Uh, cattle futures were able to rally yesterday, supported by last week's stronger fat cattle prices. Feeder cattle futures closed an average of $3.10 higher. Live cattle futures closed an average of $1.79 higher. Cash cattle prices were able to close out 2023 on a positive note last week. Cattle in the north traded at 172 to 174 which was $1 to $2 higher compared to the previous week. Cattle in the south traded at 172 to 173 That was also $1 to $2 higher box beef took a tumble on tuesday choice end of the day at 284.34 that was down five dollars and 37 cents select end of the day at 258.86 that was down a buck 47. well the board looks a little bit better at least uh us dollar is up a little bit this morning stocks are off again uh, the s p is down 15 the dow's down 100 so a little bit of corrective action to start the year uh, bonds a little bit lower crude oil is down 14 cents in the february wti at 70.25 have a great day guys we'll talk to you on thursday